surface with Bob. Welcome everybody, this is Breakfast with Bob. My name is Bob Babbitt. We're brought to you by the PTO, the Pro Triathletes Organization. By Amp Human, VeloFix, Norma Tech, Form Goggles, You Can, and our Challenged Athletes Foundation. Right before COVID hit, we sent out 3,921 grants, totaling $5.9 million. Keep challenged athletes in the game of life through sport. Our next guest, he has finished 13 Ironmans. He has won one, and he is known as the big unit. He's only 24 years old. Mr. Sam Long joins us. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be on here. I, uh, I better pick up that winning ratio. One to 13 isn't very good. <laughs> well, but 13 Ironmans and you're 24 years old, man. That's, that's a lot of Ironmans at 24. What got you into going long so young? I just love it. I just love to do it. Um, the original story is I tore, my, uh, I tore my MCL in a ski accident my senior year of high school. And um, I thought it would be a great uh, comeback. My rehab was to do an Ironman four months later. So that's, uh, that's how I got into it. So when, when I look at your, you've had success at Xterra. You've had a success winning a marathon. You've had success, obviously, you, you set the course record up Mount Lemmon before Lionel just got back. You've, you've got so many diverse skills, right? Is it hard when you're so good at so many different things to figure out what the hell you want to do? Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I like to do everything. And uh, I definitely did sort of like, I wanted to do Xterra. I wanted to do pro mountain biking. I wanted to do cycling. I wanted to do just straight time trialing, you know, 40K. And I wanted to do marathons. And, and I kind of had to say like, look, you know, the jack of all trades is a master at none. And, and how do I kind of hone that in and, and pick uh, what I, what I want to truly excel at, as opposed to just being maybe pretty good at 12 different sports. So the guy who coaches you, Ryan Bolton, and I'm a huge fan of Ryan because he's, you know, I've watched what he has, has done uh, with, with a number of the Kenyan women and uh, in what he has done as a, I covered him as when he was making the Olympic team back in 2000, yeah. right? So what is it, what, when did you connect with Ryan and what has he brought to the table for you? Yeah, so we connected uh a little over two years ago now or basically right about two years ago and we started working very shortly after that we basically met and we were actually living together at ben hoffman's place all of us were kind of in uh doing a training camp together and pretty much right after that i started working with ryan as my actual coach and, and it was a gradual thing he didn't take over the reins like a hundred percent right away but he sort of took over it uh, over maybe a month or so or two months. So it's still pretty rapid. And he's just, he's controlled, he's controlled me, but without controlling me, you know, he still lets me feel like I have freedom, but I think he, uh, he's really smart in how he knows how to get me to do what he wants me to, to do without me feeling like, Oh, I'm, you know, being controlled, so to speak. So obviously Ben Hoffman's had some great success with his running. And, uh, and for you, was, was that a big part of this? Uh, obviously, you're, you're running really well right now. And what has he done specifically to help you with your running? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's really nothing fancy or sexy. It's basically just consistency. Um, yep. It's consistency day in and day out, week in and week out, and year after year. And, um, and I, I really don't bag very many, like, impressive sessions in my opinion mm -hmm. um 
I, in fact, I've done very, very little tempo this whole year. Um, I basically run six or seven days a week and four days a week I do strides and I run at an aerobic pace most of the time and it, and it seems to be working, which is, uh, it's almost so stupid simple that you would think like, oh, this, this doesn't work. But how he sets up how many miles you run each and every day and how it builds is, is really where all the magic is in this plan, I guess. So I'm sure when you first started with them, you think there's going to be some, you know, okay, here's the secret, double secret workout that's going to make me faster than everybody else. When did you realize that, you know what, I'm getting better here, and this stuff seems like pretty basic. This is like what a high school coach would be telling me. Yeah, I mean, I think I really just realized it like maybe this year, maybe just like three months ago. I, I used to always be looking like, oh, what's his secret session? What's his secret session? And I'll, uh, I'll tell it to everyone right now. His secret session is six to 10 miles um, at an aerobic heart rate. So say, you know, zone one to zone three max and end with six to eight times 20 second strides and do that three times a week for two years. And I think you'll, at least for me, I've become a much better runner. So <laughs> when we, uh, when we chatted in Nice before that race and that 70.3 worlds and I'm going, I think Sam's going to have a great one here and I'm sure you did as well. What, what happened that day? Because it wasn't what you wanted, right? It wasn't, it no, wasn't what you were prepared for. Yeah, I had a terrible day. And um, I, I do think it's two things. One is I, I really hadn't traveled over to Europe and raced. And um, so part of it was just learning the jet lag and staying in different places. And, and I needed to control that a bit better. But um, actually, the biggest thing was after the race, we looked at my power profile and Ryan was like, look, there's no way you biked that time with the power you did. Something must be wrong. And um, anyways, I started looking at my bike and my, it was a brand new bike. I had only ridden it like four or five times, which was uh, some major sponsor complications last year, but uh, the front brake was rubbing. So I actually rode the full bike with a, uh, with a rubbing disc brake. And, and I don't like to tell that story because it sort of makes it sound like I'm trying to take like blank, an excuse you know, or some sort of, yeah. and oh, something's going to happen. But so I've actually never even told that on my social media, but that is what happened. Because um, it so, didn't make sense. I know how fit you were going into that race, and I could see the level of confidence during our interview. And that, that makes sense now, that there was something going on. Because you, your power was – you look at the, your files afterwards, your power is there, and you're going, yeah. but I'm not – the output isn't there. Exactly. Like, I, I lost – it was my best power I've ever done in a 70.3 by, by about 10%, actually. <laughs> and, and I lost like 12 minutes on the bike and, and we were like that. It just doesn't add up. Like, <laughs> no, makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. So lessons learned and, and yeah, lessons learned. And then obviously I went and I won Chattanooga just three weeks later, which I yes. think proved that my fitness was there. And, and now I'm just, I'm way more meticulous with my gear because it's like, you just, it sucks to, you know, show up and get your, get your ass kicked, honestly, because you, right. uh, you do your due diligence with, with gear and equipment and, and sleeping and finding the right place to stay and getting there enough days ahead of time and, you know, the whole nine yards. So a lot of times we, but also the bigger you are, the, the more mass you're carrying through that heat. Obviously Chattanooga's hot. You do, you do okay in the heat. What, what you've been there as an age grouper, you were able to watch it. I think this year you came over to, to watch Kona. Yep. Do you think you're suited for that course? I mean, I like to look at Jan Frodeno as an example, right? He's, yep. he's a big guy. He's maybe even a little taller than me. So, and he's 
excelled there, and he's excelled there multiple times. And we've seen uh, Chris McCormack, Maca, another big guy. guy. Yep, and he's excelled there. So, I, I, I mean, again, I have to go and I have to see how I do there. But yeah. um, so far, you know, I, Chattanooga was ridiculously hot, and I did well there. So I think um, so long as you can control your surface area. So what I mean by that is like you know, actually as bigger guys, we've got a lot of surface area, which means we're actually able to evaporate more, more heat. Mm -hmm. So it's not actually staying cool. That's my issue. It's making sure that I get enough fluids in, um, at least for me personally, like right. I can stay cool. But if I, like, if I go on a 20 mile long run on my own and it's a hundred degrees and I don't have any support, like 15 miles in, I'm going to start having issues because I've just sweated too much water and not taken it in. But if I generally take in enough fluids, I'm, I'm pretty good. So when did you, what race was it where you realized you could be pretty good at this, that this is something that you could do for a living and, and, and do well? You know, honestly, uh, my, my first Ironman was basically where the dream. The at, dream 18. At, at 18. At 18. Because um, I, I was 13th overall with the professionals. Um, and I had been training triathlon for, for five months so so and again it wasn't like oh i'm gonna just come out and i'm gonna you know mop the floor with everyone it was like i, I want to do this i think i have what it takes and it's going to take you know a decade or more of work to get there but i but then the dream was born the dream was born from the very first iron man so this has been a, a tough time right you should be at this point you should have done a, a, a number of races already how has this been? You've been doing a lot of virtual stuff. How have you dealt with the fact that you haven't been able to go to a, to a real starting line? Cause I, you're one of those guys who feeds off the crowd as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, you know, it's been, it's been one of the toughest times of my life. If I'm honest, um, yeah. it's, it's been incredibly hard to stay motivated actually. And, and incredibly hard to sometimes feel purposeful with my life um, because in a way I don't feel like I can inspire people as much and make as much of a difference. But um, for me trying to race virtually and doing these KOMs and trying to find ways to engage people and engage myself has, has really been my, my key. And again, it's like, Oh, it's like one tenth as good as racing, but um, it's a hundred times better than not training and not doing anything at all. So yeah. Um, so that's really all that's kept me going. It's kind of keeping the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and oh, I'm just praying to race this year, but, but we'll see. So at this point, is there a, obviously with all the races being canceled, moving to February, is, is there a, a path? Has anybody from Ironman said, this is what you need to do to get there? Uh, to be on the start line at February? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, for me, thankfully, I'm already qualified. You won Chattanooga. You're there. Yeah. So I'm already qualified. But basically, otherwise, they're saying you still need to go by the same system and win an Ironman, which is crazy because there might not even be any Ironmans all year. So so I'm glad I'm sitting where I am, but I'm also uh, recognizing the fact that it doesn't really quite seem fair to people who have not done it. I mean, to give them... Right maybe September, October, and November to qualify for a February Kona. And, and maybe they don't even have races in their, in their continent. I mean. <laughs> right. And for a lot of folks, you don't even know who they'll allow into Hawaii at that point, if you'll exactly. be able to travel internationally. So I, I was reading, are you a triplet? 
I am a triplet, yep. Very cool. And now what are your, uh, both, is it all three brothers? It's all three brothers, yep, and, and an older sister as well. So with, the, with your triplet buddies, what do you, are they into the same stuff you're into, or what do they do? No, so it's, yeah, it's, I actually love it. It's like we're triplets, but we're so, so different. So uh, one of my brothers, his name is Brian. He lives in New York, and he's a, he's a financial analyst on Wall Street. So he's, a, he's an investment banker on Wall Street. Um, and then my other brother, Justin, he lives close by to me in Denver, and he's a rock musician. So you get free help with finance and you get free concerts. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> that is so cool. But growing up, how competitive were the three of you? Well, I think that's exactly it. We were so competitive with each other that we all hated getting beat by the other that we basically all said, like, I'm going to become the best at sports. I'm going to become the best at music and I'm going to become the best at school and and brainy stuff. And then we all kind of went our separate ways because we hated be getting beat by each other, right? So it was kind of our way to own, be to become our best and be able to beat the others, um, as opposed to if we all tried to do the same thing, only one of us, I think, could, could win, right? Was there actually a conversation? It was like, hey, guys, let's uh, figure this out so we don't beat keep beating our heads in. Or no, was it no just something that happened organically? I think we just, I just, I think we just figured it out and like, yeah, we just kind of said, like, I think they might have said, oh, you know, Sam's the most athletic, and and we've kind of tested that, and I said, wow, this guy's a creative genius, he's so good on the guitar, and and I don't want to mess around with that, and and then, I mean, our other brother, like, literally got straight A's from third grade all the way through college, and so it was like, oh, you don't want to mess with that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine your parents going, but Sam... You're, look at your brother. He's getting straight A's. What are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> that is so funny. Now, early on when you were all in sports together, was it, like you said, it, it must have been pretty, pretty brutal for all of you if you're playing Little League Baseball or whatever sport you're doing. Do you have one memory of you guys all participating in some sport where it became a, a little bit of a bloodbath? Yeah, well, you know, my, my best memory is, so we, we ran cross country together our freshman year of high school. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, they still did cross country a lot of the years. And there's only one race I ever got beat by them. And I remember that one race because it was 5K and they came by me at like four and a half K. And I'll never forget, I got beat by my brother in a sporting event, you know. And um, so By that, both of them? No, just by one. Okay. All right, well, one's okay. That, uh, yeah, that was, it ruined my streak, I guess you could say. Does, does he still bring that up? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So you've also been doing uh, a lot of climbing, right? You're doing Everest? Were you yeah, doing the I did, Everest climb? I did an Everest and go. Now, doing that much climbing, was that, did that get old? Or was it something you were going, you know what, this is, this is sort of part of the world right now, and I'm, I've got to have a goal, and I'm going to go get that. Uh, the climbing got old. Yeah, the climbing yeah. got old, um, especially on the one day doing it. I did one climb 15 times, and what? <laughs> the same yeah. climb 15 times? Exactly. Oh. Yeah. And the thing that was so was quite tough about Everesting being a bigger guy, like just to get up the hill, I'm fighting gravity more. So there was no way to like ride that easy. I just, it was a steep hill. So it was like, oh, if I want to 
get this thing done, I'm going to have to ride at like 300 watts. Otherwise, I'm just going to be moving backwards, basically. So Mount Lemon, obviously, we got a lot of bragging rights going on there, right? You've got between you and Lionel and Phil and uh, Phil had the record. And then what Lionel get his? Lionel yep. Yeah, Lionel, and then you got it. And then Lionel got it back. What's what's the record at? What's it at? What's the time? And you can't close to 16040. You want 11540, right? And then uh, then Lionel got it from there. Then Lionel got it from there. Yeah. 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 I mean, the last time he went, it was a he really got after it and put down an amazing time. But um, I'll tell you, if I don't have any races, there's actually a big fire on Mount Lemon right now. So that's right. Um, so, you know, my heart's with everyone, everyone there doing that. But uh, hopefully that if there's no races, that's my fall goal is to get the Mount Lemon KOM back. So well, it's funny because the other day Lionel dropped me a note because he obviously no races going on. And at that point, it looked like bad water was still happening. And he was like, hey, you think you can help me get in the bad water? So I, I think I called the race director. He's like, yeah, I really can't do it. And then they had to cancel bad water. They canceled it last night. Oh, that, wow. That, yeah, that's, uh, I think, July. It was supposed to be early July, but, you know. Well, that explains why Lionel's training in Tucson in the middle of the summer still. Exactly. <laughs> and now he's in St. George, I think. I think he's doing a little St. Oh, okay. George training, getting ready for that. So what was your schedule supposed to be this year? Yeah, so it was supposed to be um, Oceanside and then and then St. George, the full yeah. Ironman at St. George in May. And then I was going to go back and try and defend at 70.3 Chattanooga. And then I was obviously hoping for the Collins Cup on May 31st. That's right, yeah. And then I was going to do uh, like 70.3 Montreblanc in June. And then 70.3 Boulder, August 1st. And then I was going to do Ironman Chattanooga. Uh, two weeks before Kona, and then I was going to do Kona. So that was the schedule. Was I was quite excited about the schedule, but uh, we'll see now. So I was looking at 2018, and if if I'm not wrong, I think you did five fulls yeah. in 2018. New Zealand, Boulder. So you're you were like ninth in uh, New Zealand, and then fifth in Boulder, and fourth at Whistler fifth at Montreblanc, and then second in Louisville. I'm like, dude, five in one year. Now, that when Ryan looked at your schedule, was that one of the first things he said was, okay, no more five Ironmans in a year? He ne yeah, he never actually said that to me, but I, I definitely think he, he thought it. So, yeah. Because um, so now, yeah, now I, 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 and I don't think I'll do five in a year again. Um, how hard was that to do? People, what people forget when – there's no marathon, top marathoner on the planet who's doing five marathons in a year, right? Who's, yeah, who's at, like, at an elite level. Yeah, they only do basically maybe three at the most. At the most, right? Yeah. And so here you guys are, and there's and you're not alone. There's a lot of you guys out there doing four or five Ironman events a year, depending on what they have to do to qualify. And I'm just like, oh my god, that's five, five marathons. That's yeah. ridiculous, right? At the end of that year, how beat up were you? I was, yeah, I was very beat up that year. That was, so that was the main thing. I made it through the races and, and except for one, I was in the top five and, and four of them. Yep. Um, but I needed a long reset period at the end of it. Um, 
on the order of a few months of of pretty low low energy and uh not much training which was okay but yeah i found it's kind of better to not overexert myself with five ironmans and then i don't have to uh have kind of this like uh hibernation period for four months at the end of the year <laughs> so when i look at chattanooga and i mean you're coming off a of nice right you're coming off a race where you're questioning what the heck's going on my power's better than ever and how long was it before you realized that, the, that your brakes were rubbing pretty much the whole bike ride well so interestingly enough i wasn't able to confirm it until i got to chattanooga so really um, yeah because basically because of the bike transportation and all that oh, I that's right i essentially sent my bike right from nice to chattanooga um and it was only ryan's like i i swear something must have been wrong with your bike maybe the brakes were rubbing and i was like ah, oh, i don't think so but but maybe you're right like the power was pretty high and and then I get there and sure enough, you know, I pick up the front wheel and I give it a spin and I just hear that sound like, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh no. And then, yeah, and then I took it to the mechanic and I said like, it's a brand new bike, but make sure everything works perfect. And um, yeah, and then I could tell, I think I, when I got on it then at Chattanooga, all of a sudden like the same power and I was going, you know, five miles, 10 miles an hour faster than I would have at Nice. So winning that Ironman, that was your first Ironman win. How special was that for you? Especially coming off of Nice, where you're questioning, I know my training is there, what the hell's going on? And then you go to Chattanooga and you go like 822. Yeah, so I think, you know, going back to your question about when did I think being a professional was possible? And I said from the very first race, yeah, which was in 2014. And then I won my first one in, in 2019. And it was kind of like, well, geez, I've, I've thought that I'm able and possible to do this, but in a way I was like, am I actually, you know, is, am I just thinking that or can I actually put, you know, the hammer to the metal and make it freaking happen, you know? Right. So, so it was almost more of a relief of anything else. Like, Oh, all of the sacrifice, all of the hard work, all of the dedication, all of the belief, all of it is worth it. And, and now I've proven that I can do it. And now I want to take that and I want to keep building off of that. So you're a young guy in this sport, and in Nice, you go to the start line, and there's Javier Gomez, and there's Alistair Brownlee, and you know you you see Ferdano and Lionel Sanders, and all these guys. Are you one of those guys who looks at these guys and goes, "Oh my God, I can't believe I'm in the same race as these guys," or is it is it different? Yeah, totally. So totally. So they're they're all my idols, and I and I love them and I respect them and they're the guys I was reading and I still do read everything, watch everything they're on every podcast, listen to every word they say. And I, I realized that Nice, when I was on the start line, it, it's almost impossible to beat those guys if you hold them up on a pedal stool so much, you know? So since then I've sort of started trying to engage them a bit on social media. And honestly, a big part of it is trying to do it from my own mind. Like these guys are humans. They can be beat. You know, because mm -hmm. if I don't think that, even if I have the fitness at some point to do it, it's it's not going to happen. If you're saying, you know, this guy's a, this guy, and Jan kind of looks like a Greek god. So if you say, oh, he's a Greek god, <laughs> there's no way I can beat the dude, then guess what? You're not going to do it. That's so funny. I remember back in the day, there was a top triathlete named Scott Molina. They called him the Terminator, and he won everything. And yeah. there were races where he was not on, but guys would catch him on the bike. And they would slow down, figuring, exactly. I can't go by Scott Molina. He's the guy. 
And he was, he used that to his benefit. He, he said, I've won a lot of races I shouldn't have won because people were intimidated by me. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, that's why I'm having to wage like mental warfare on my own mind in order to one day set my, I mean, obviously I have to get the fitness, but, right. um, but it's a two front, it's a two front war, so to speak, get the fitness to beat them and uh, get my mind prepared to be able to do it as well. So if February happens, if we have Ironman World Championship in February, you're already qualified, you'll do your build up for it. What, what would it mean to win that race for you? Oh, I mean, that would be, it would, <laughs> that, that, that's too, it's like too big of a question. I, it, would be, it would be beyond amazing. Yeah, yeah it would, that, would be, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. That would be pretty cool to see you knock off some of the biggest, the biggest names in the sport. The nice thing about that race, you don't have many people going out race saying, yeah, I'm just training through this and uh, I'm, I'm really gearing up for Ironman Florida. That's really my main goal this year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what has been, what's been your favorite race? Oh, I have to say Ironman Chattanooga. Um, partly yeah. just because I went there and I won both the full and the half in a year. And um, also it's kind of one of those examples where uh, your expectations are really low and that what you get is like really high. I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to this like Southern city. It's going to just kind of be like, not that beautiful and not that nice. And the course isn't going to be that scenic. And, and I got there and it's like this beautiful lush mountains and the city is, has so much culture and it just has such a cool vibe to it. And I was like, whoa, this is an amazing place. And then the people are just so incredible there. Well, obviously like Nice or, um, Ironman New Zealand or yeah. Ironman Montreblanc, all of those places are equally as amazing. But I, in all of those, I went there and I expected it to be amazing. So that I was kind of like, oh, it's sort of what I expected it to be. While Chattanooga was this like complete reversal of, oh, I didn't expect much. And then it ended up being, ends up being this amazing cultural, beautiful spot. So what's been the reaction of your, uh, your brothers to your success in this sport, right? Because they've obviously had success in their own worlds. Watching you uh, have this success, and especially after Chattanooga, I bet they were pretty jazzed. Totally, yeah, they were so jazzed. Um, yeah, and, and I'm equally as jazzed for them because they're they're both starting to make pretty big successes in their own fields, and and that's what's so cool is we all support each other, and and then we all like you know. We, so our birthday is December twenty third. Yes. Um, which is amazing, you know, right before Christmas. And so every year we all come home over Christmas and it is just the hugest party. And it's so great. But unfortunately, if, if that, well, not unfortunately, but with February Kona, I'm not going to be able to party uh, to that extent this Christmas. But it's been great. And especially last year after winning Chattanooga and coming back and it was just like, well, we're all celebrating successes of life, you know. When you went to Kona this last year to, to watch, did you, what did you learn from watching? Because you race it as an age grouper, but watching it is a little different deal, especially when you're a pro and these are the guys eventually who you'll, you'll be going head to head with on that same course. Yeah, watching it, I mean, I, so probably my two biggest takeaways are one, like it's a tough man's race. Like if you go there, like, don't go there expecting to have fun on that run. Go there like pretty much with the mindset of like, I want to flog myself and put myself in like a deep, dark uh, hole of hate and hatred and whatever, and just pain and find a way out of it. And because you just see the look, like I just saw the look on all these guys' faces. And I was like, oh my God, like if you go there, you have to want it and you have to be 
willing and able to suffer. And if, if you're not able to do that, don't even show up on the start line. Um, and then, and then the second biggest lesson was the race isn't over there till it's over. And, and a big, where I really got that from was watching Ben Hoffman. I think he was like 15, 16 or, or even 18th off the bike. And I myself was like, Oh God, like he's dropped the ball. What's going on? His race is, is totally ruined. And then, you know, he got, he got fourth and he ran great. And, and just seeing the order of everyone running out on a Leahy and you're like, Oh, these guys are doing so great. They're doing so great. And then just like four miles later, they come back and the order's completely mixed. And you're like, Oh, all of a sudden this dude's not doing good at all. And someone who you thought was like out of it is, is passing everyone. So it's, uh, yeah, not letting the ego get in the way and, and um, really keeping the mind strong is the number one thing. I think. No question. Okay, we're going to move into a little rapid fire. What toughest moment for you as an athlete? What's been the toughest moment for you? Oh, uh, Nice. Honestly, Nice was incredibly, incredibly tough going there and having some confidence and getting totally destroyed. What's, what's your go-to comfort food? Mac and cheese. I've heard that one. Happiest memory from racing? Ironman Chattanooga. <laughs> uh, what's been your toughest training session? Oh, I remember I was, uh, yeah, I was training last summer and, and it was actually during the warm up, but I was so gassed and I just had this little hill to come up and I was so gassed. I got off the bike and I laid on the ground for like five minutes from the tough training session before I did it. I don't, it was so many intervals that day. I can't even remember. It was like, it was like a seven hour ride with four times 30 minutes at Ironman pace and six times 10 minutes at 70.3 pace and then some sprints or something. It was, it was a horrendous session. <laughs> so what's your go-to technology? What, what, what's something you use all the time? Uh, my Suto watch, getting the data and, and just tracking everything. Perfect. Favorite book or podcast? Uh, the power of one. Very cool. Uh, Favorite words to hear from a coach? Uh, you did great. Least favorite words to hear from a coach? <laughs> uh, like tone it down, control it, like, you know, something along those lines. Like we got to unleash, we got to basically put you in the penalty box. You have to rest. <laughs> when you look at yourself, obviously you've got something inherent there that's made you great. What is it? What, what is, what has made you a champion? Yeah, I think it's on the physical side. I think it's my capacity to recover really well, but ultimately I think it's that I'm, I'm so, so very comfortable in my own mind and I love being in my own mind. Love it. Hey, Sam, big unit. Thank you, buddy, for taking so much time. Such a pleasure to get to chat with you again. Yeah, always a pleasure. And yeah, I hope we get to do it some more. Sam Long has been our guest. We're brought to you by the PTO, by Amp Human, Velofix, Normatech, Form Goggles, You Can't, and our Challenged Athletes Foundation. This has been Breakfast with Bob. My name is Bob Babbitt. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Big unit, you are the best, man. Take care of yourself. All right. Thank you, Bob. Cheers.